What's going on, FCS football fans? Welcome to the FCS Opening Drive Podcast, presented by Football Game Plan and the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. I am David Hassig, and with me, of course, the star of the playbook, Emery Hunt. Emery, good morning, sir. Good morning, sir. How are you? Doing just fine. You know, and a busy weekend. I had some uh, fun out in Bethlehem at Celtic Fest this week. Enjoyed a little, uh, little football for the uh, last time this season at home for the Red Bulls, but... All the FCS games are actually kicking off. It's been a wild, wild west. I know you were down. We'll get to where you were in a second. You had an interesting game uh, down in Baltimore this week. Some interesting developments, though, in the top 10, folks. We had some big upsets and some powers that be are shifting in the big sky. We'll tell you about that. Obviously, we got some crazy overtime shootouts as well as the SoCon. The SoCon just gets weirder and weirder every week. We don't know where that's going. And we've got some pretty interesting offensive performances. Of course, we'll talk about our game balls, the top 25. We've got some winless teams that are still out there. 17 of them, actually, to be exact. At this point of the season, which is pretty high, I got to admit. So we'll go through them and see who gets off the mat this week. Of course, we'll go through our telling trap, unsung and best games of the week, and our week six preview. Again, folks, if you want to listen back on any of our podcasts, you can listen to that on SoundCloud and iTunes. Search Football Game Plan in the podcast section and give us a five-star rating while you're there so you don't miss any content. You want to subscribe to that as well. Don't forget to go to footballgameplan.com as well. For any of your college football knowledge, we have the FCS podcast. conference whip around over there that you can go see we're also on tv now with football coverage we've got the football game plan college football tailgate show uh, that is airing every week in the new york metropolitan area and of course follow us on twitter at david underscore hassigan and at fball game plan uh, for all of our travels insights hot takes whatever you're there for you know whatever it is we we, we keep you entertained we'll and don't entertained. forget to go to footballgameplan.com slash go go offense to pick up your copy of the go go offense the amazing book detailing the offensive uh uh playbook of brendan marion who's the offensive coordinator for william and mary and William and Mary off to a decent start this season. Had a little trouble, though, with Albany this week. That was one of the uh, games we'll talk about here real quick. Let's actually get into the Week 5 review because there were a lot of big games. And why don't we start with uh, the game you were at, though, Emery, and that you were down at Morgan State once again, down in Baltimore in the, uh, on the, up on the roof, watching out on from the catbird seat there. What did you see in this ball game besides, uh, besides a little bit of heat? Well, it was, a, it was interesting, man. It's, uh, you know, Morgan State is 0-4. But I feel I feel as though they're going in the right direction. Same with North Carolina Central, even though they got the win. Their freshman quarterback was very impressive. Davius Richard, I thought he was phenomenal just from a leadership standpoint. He was already directing traffic and telling guys where they should be aligned. And, you know, this is a true freshman starting. He has good size. He's 6'3", 200 pounds. Had a nice 64-yard touchdown run where he took, he took off and pulled away from defenders and he was just doing a lot of great things, and it was just an interesting ball game because one of the, one of the stars of the game is going to be my player of the week uh, that I will talk about later. But great defensive effort by North Carolina Central, who leads the nation in turnovers, both yeah. FCS and FBS. And Morgan State, they have some some pieces to build on. I like what I saw, um, and Coach Wheatley, I thought is you know is a great coach. He's going to do fine there, and. Trey Oliver, the head coach at Central, is going to do fine in Durham. And NC Central now in a four-way tie at the top of the MEAC. Four teams at four and one. It's turning to quite the horse race there. Let's get into our Week 5 review, though. And I forgot I was also at Howard earlier that ah, afternoon to uh, to check out a little bit of Howard and Bethune-Cookman. Initial thoughts, 
Bethune Cookman is lightning fast. Mm. They have some speed. And Marcus Ford, the defensive end, probably one of the best pass rushers, pure pass rushers in the FCS. He was phenomenal. Bethune Cookman definitely is they're right there in that race along with FAMU and A&T. So that's going to be an interesting race to follow. Let's get into the rest of the week five review, though. We mentioned William and Mary. So why don't we start with them taking on Albany, two teams that are actually improving a lot from last season to this one in the CAA, already already a crowded CAA. But Albany gets a nice win, 39-31 over the, over the Tribe. The Great Danes have actually quietly put up some nice performances this season. Yeah, and I was shocked that the Tribe lost this ball game, considering they had a lead in this game, and it allowed Albany to come back, and ultimately that's what ended up happening. So it was their first conference game. Albany now sits at 1-0, and you know, William & Mary is 0-1, but 2-3 and overall. But I thought this was a game that the Tribe let slip away. Yeah, you you can certainly see that. I think I the offense is certainly clicking for William and Mary. Yeah. I like what's the, like what we've seen from them, but this is one of the few times we've seen Albany put up big numbers on offense. I like I like what um, their quarterback under Cuffler, two thirty uh, two ninety one three touchdowns this week. He's been really good with the ball, but they're actually putting up some really nice numbers. And like Albany, they're known for their defense. Now they got some offense. Maybe that's going to help them down the road. Let's get into some of the other matchups though. Out in Big Sky Country. Holy Montana. They have not been getting the... They were number 18, which I couldn't believe going into this week in the polls. I think they're going to be slightly higher when the polls come out later this afternoon. 45-20 over UC Davis. Two wins, two losses in a row now for uh, UCD. But Montana is impressive. The Grizz are back. Yeah, fantastic job by Montana. Again, their offense is clicking. Dalton Sneed is, is one of the better quarterbacks in the FCS. He's done a great job. Uh, and leading that football team. But defensively, they just have been excellent, man. Turning the ball over, yeah. uh, getting key stops. Um, they really put the clamps on UC Davis. And the second half, it was just all Grizz and how they dominated. With, when UC Davis has your leading rusher at just 38 yards, you've done something right. You know, obviously, Jake Meyer had an, a pretty nice day. He threw for three touchdowns, 275. Pretty good day's work. But they could not get anything from Gilliam. They couldn't get anything from Thomas. UC Davis had no no answers. They ended up going with six different running backs in the backfield trying to get something, and nothing worked. Um, so we'll see what happens with that game going forward. But Montana is for real. Let's move down to the SWAC now. Prairie View A&M, one of two critical games back-to-back, and they get the first one done, 42-36 over still a winless Grambling team, which is kind of shocking to me. But Prairie View is just clicking on all cylinders like we saw at the end of last year. Yeah, this is this was a tale of two games uh, because – or two halves. You saw Grambling got off to a great start, and they couldn't stop Dewanya Tucker, and that was the story throughout the game. That's what ultimately led Prairie yeah. View to a victory in the State Fair Classic. Uh, Dewanya Tucker, I mean, we it seems like I, like I, I want to mention him in my game balls, but I can't because it seems repetitive. <laughs> but that's, a, that's his third game this year with over 125 yards rushing. His first one this year over 200 with 263 on 26 carries, he's averaging 10.1 a carry. He's having an outstanding season. He did this last year. He's a guy that should be on draft boards. Well, it, tell, it, it tells you all you need to know about talent, man. We, you know, we always say size is not a skill. And if you're good enough, you're big enough. And he has proven time and time again to be good enough and therefore big enough to, to play in, an, in the NFL. We see it with Tariq Cohen. We see it with Deontay Harris of the New Orleans Saints. This dude has legit NFL game. He has NFL speed and NFL athleticism. Yeah. That's what you're looking for when you're looking at talent. Can they match up with you with what you see 
on the NFL level, and Tucker, in my opinion, definitely matches up. He absolutely does. Let's move back east now. An upset in Brooklyn. Fordham knocks off Richmond 23-16. We said that Fordham would be improved this year, second year under a new head coach, and they're proving it with a nice marquee win over a CAA team. This was the upset I called in the FCS kickoff, and one of the bases for that was Zach Davis, the running back. He had a great game, 13 carries, 146 yards, paved the way, helped keep this offense on pace. And I knew at some point when we were out there, Coach talked to us about the offensive line, and we're talking about um, Coach Joe Conlon talked to us about the, the offensive line and how, you know, now they pass the off-the-bus test and they should be better. And this was a tough test for him because you're facing Maurice Jackson, who's one of the uh, top pass rushers in the FCS. Mm. Um all-conference player, uh, CAA defensive player of the year, preseason defensive player of the year. Did a great job in, in winning the line of scrimmage, point of attack, running the football, and Tim DeMore threw two touchdowns. Um, so, again, complete team effort for Fordham. I, I kind of saw this one coming. Yeah, Fordham, when I saw them against Stony Brook, they don't go down the field very often. Mm-hmm. Very much DeMore's reads are kind of checkdowns. Uh, shorter routes, but it works for them. And that's what, if whatever gets you the ball down the field, that's all you have to do. Obviously, Richmond not having a great year, some people might try to bring this win down, but this is a nice win for a Fordham team that hasn't had a ton of success in recent years, in the last couple of years at least. Let's move now back to the, let's talk about the CAA. Villanova's healthy, which means Villanova wins games. They knock off UMaine 33 17. Villanova, they were number eight last week. I wanted to pit them in my top five. I just came up short with them, but Villanova is a legitimate threat for the CAA title now. I don't know why you don't like Villanova I, uh, hey, in the top hey, five. Hey. Like Villanova <laughs> is phenomenal. Chris Ferguson was a guy uh, we talked about a lot in the offseason about how good he is for Maine. They picked him off twice. They did a great job in shutting down their running game. This was a complete dominating effort by Villanova. And again, what a godsend Daniel Smith has been for their offense yeah. coming over from Campbell. Great opportunity for him to build on what he did. They were up 30 to nothing in this ball game. Just a complete dominating performance by Villanova. Just out, yeah, and you said they turned the ball over. Not a ton of big plays, nothing, you know, nothing big on the stat sheet when you look at it, but then you see 33, 33 points on the board. Well, it just shows you Ola Adams, the defensive coordinator for Villanova, is one of the best coaches, great defensive mind in college football. Yep. And him being the first year DC. He's proven that that was a great move by head coach Mark Ferrante by getting him the title of being defensive coordinator because he has paid huge dividends. This is a completely different-looking Villanova defense. And again, they're healthy. When they're healthy, they're good. Jacksonville State, just when you think you have these guys figured out, they lay another egg, literally being Gamecocks. Jacksonville State loses to Austin P 52-33. This wasn't close. The Governors with a huge win after the Gamecocks had won three in a row. They're, you know, they're clicking. They lost in week one in, the ups- in an upset loss. No, it's fine. We're good. We're good. See, we deserve to be in the top 15. We're good. Austin P. no, no, no. <laughs> what happened in this ballgame? They dominated in this first half. 31-7 at halftime for Austin P. Well, it was a combination of quarterback Javon Craig and also running back Kentel Williams. Both guys do a lot of damage on the ground. Craig even contributed with, you know, two touchdown passes. But the defense of Austin P picking off Zarek Cooper three times and really limiting li- yeah. limiting their running game really shut down the Gamecocks. This was one of the scores where, you know, as I'm preparing for the broadcast, 
I'm looking up and like, wow, like Austin P is really digging in to the Gamecocks. Yeah. And it was not even close. Yeah. So it makes you wonder how bad Eastern Washington is. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. more so that's all I kept thinking when I see this score. Because Austin P quietly has put together some impressive games. They've had some nice wins and, yeah. and they've had close losses, but they held Jacksonville State to 62 yards rushing. <laughs> Total. Zarek Cooper uh, was the leading rusher too. With 25, but you talked about Craig, five total touchdowns. He only ran for 30 yards, but he had three scores. Must be nice to get those nice quarterback draws when you can, you know, call your own plays. Anyway, nice win for Austin P. Another upset over Jacksonville State. Another upset, and this was the we- this was the weird game of the week. Samford Citadel. Obviously, Citadel had a lot of the accolades, rightfully so. They knocked off Georgia Tech. Then they go in, they beat their rivals. Charleston, somewhere close to somewhere close to Charleston. What, 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 they, they don't say the name down there. It's somewhere somewhere south of Charleston, somewhere in the vicinity of Charleston. Um, then they get Samford, and again, Samford does every week impresses us more and more and more. But 61-55 in four overtimes. An incredibly back-and-forth game. The SoCon just continues to prove that it's this year's murderer's row. Absolutely incredible football being played in the Southeast. Yeah, outstanding game right here, man. And, I mean, when you talk about two teams that we've talked about a lot this year as far as, like, their offense. Yeah. Sanford doing a great job and you know, with their QB and, and the Citadel with their option attack. You can't knock their offense and say – oh, you can't come back from a deficit. The option game is a big play offense, and people don't understand that. This was a fun game to check out, and um, if you're Sanford fans, you you have to be glad that your team came out on top. But just a great game overall. Well, and the the biggest thing, too, is that they lost Oladokun halfway through this game. They had to go back to Liam Welsh. But he comes through with three touchdown passes in the second half. Actually, I I think he had two of them. I think at least two of them were in the the fourth quarter. So without Liam Welsh stepping up and being a leader for Oladokun, they don't win this ball game. So Sanford's got some depth. We obviously they were competing with each other. Welsh got the start in week one. Oladokun took over. Welsh is back on top. So we'll see what Sanford does as we go on. One other game we want to talk about here: an interesting game in the Southland. Sam Houston State 28-17 over McNeese. These are two teams that we figured would get off the mat this year, get back into playoff contention. Good win for Sam Houston State against one of the better teams consistently in the Southland. Normally, this is a game that usually was one of the spotlight games of the week. Yeah. And it has quietly gone under the radar. But when you watch them play, you understand why. It's just yeah. neither offense looks like it's in sync. No. But shout out to Nathan Stewart, who's one of the best receivers in the country. Uh, eight re- or Six receptions, 157 yards and a touchdown. He's still a, a pro player in my opinion. But both quarterbacks struggled in his ball game yeah. uh, with the turnovers. McNeese just doesn't have that it like they usually do. Yeah. And Sam Houston's offense just doesn't have that it like they usually do. But credit to them for getting a, a tough win against a conference opponent. And we do have breaking news here. Breaking news here on the podcast as we're recording this. And California governor signs CA-SB206. So for the first time in history, California colleges and universities will have to pay athletes for the use of their name, likeness, or image. Wow. It's finally happened. Now. So if you're San Diego, Cal Poly, UC Davis, you you know you're looking at okay, if you are a Mar- if you're Jake uh, Mayer, yeah, you have an opportunity now yeah. with your popularity to make some money, which is something that should have happened since Ben. 
You know, so we'll see if other states follow California's lead with this. And the sad thing is now we have to see what the response of the NCAA will be. Because I, I guarantee you something's going to go down now because, God forbid, we give any kind of compensation to an athlete. They're getting an education. <laughs> yeah, okay, sure. Uh, let's get into our game balls for the week. I got to do a quick shout-out, though, to the crazy quarterback numbers that we saw this week. Five different quarterbacks with six-plus touchdowns through the air this week. Uh, Kevin Davidson at Princeton with seven. Bailey Zapp, again, a big performance for Houston Baptist with seven more. Um Bailey Fisher at Tennessee Tech with six. Uh, Felix Harper at Alcorn and Matt Strzok at Idaho State, both with six touchdowns as well. Huge shout-out to them. The offensive numbers are flying. It was a big week in the FCS. Listen, that, and that was your game ball? That was uh, that was just a cumul- cumulative shout-out. A cumulative shout-out. Okay, you paused. Like, I didn't know if I was supposed to respond. <laughs> I, I know I know you're part of the running backs union. I know I know that's how <laughs> I was, it's like, I was waiting to hear my part of the play. I was like, okay, <laughs> um, this doesn't concern me. <laughs> this doesn't concern me at all. I do want to give a, a game ball out, though, to Princeton wide receiver Andrew Griffin. Uh, nine receptions, 200 yards, and four touchdowns. Princeton, oh, how are they going to replace all these, you know, now NFL players? How are they going to do this? They're going to do just fine. Thank you very much. Them and Dartmouth are going to be very, very competitive again this year in the Ivy. Well, speaking of Princeton and the Ivy, my first game ball goes to Kevin Davidson. The quarterback breaks a single-game school record throwing seven touchdown passes, 29 of 37, 381 yards (laughs) in a route of Bucknell. Davidson is a senior. He's playing quarterback at Princeton. The last last two quarterbacks we've seen go to the NFL – he is going to be next in line. That just that still I think that still blows people's minds. How are the Ivy League producing pro players? No, no, no. no Watch no. them. Watch them. If you're <laughs> Rutgers, you're like Princeton has produced three NFL uh, quarterbacks. Now, granted, Lovett is playing tight end for the Chiefs, but you have Canoff, you have Lovett, and Davidson's going to be next. And Rutgers has a combined total of zero in the just, last three quarterbacks. Something to, to uh, ponder as they fire Chris Ash, who who say they don't go nine miles down the road and try to pilfer Cerise from from Princeton. I would do some do something. You know, Cerise, Shiano, although right now they have the most <laughs> they have the most That's uh, what happens when you don't play Princeton in the one hundred and fiftieth year. Yes, this Stop is, ducking this, them. This is this is karma, complete and total karma. Um I'm gonna give another game ball here out to Yahia Ali, the kicker from Florida A and M. Check you out. I like that. Three. Do it again. Say it again. Yahia Ali. Okay. Okay. There you go. Three field goals, including a 52-yarder. And FAMU needed every one of those points in this ball game, only winning by two this week in a critical clash in the MIAC. So give some love out to the kickers. Kickers are people, too. Say his name again. Yahia Ali. Good, excellent job there. Stand in the HBCU ranks for my next game ball. Brian Mills, the cornerback for North Carolina Central. Three interceptions. And it wasn't the fact that he got three interceptions. <laughs> All three looked like the same type of play. It was Groundhog's Day. And he's a 6'2", 175-pound <laughs> corner. And every pass was one that they were trying to go over his head. He jumps, uses all of that six foot two frame, picks off the ball, comes down with it. Three interceptions, two of which were inside the red zone. That's so crazy. big-time plays made by Brian Mills now showing that North Carolina Central's penchant for turnovers wasn't 
an aberration. It wasn't because they played Elizabeth City State. <laughs> no, they're really good at turning the ball over. And cornerback Brian Mills got three interceptions. There should be, if he's not the MEAC Defensive Player of the Week, they're doing the voting wrong. If he's not already all-conference, they're doing it wrong. He has oh, yeah. three interceptions in the game, and it's probably going to get more. And in my last game ball, too, I'm going to go um, to Daryl McCleskey Jr. of Eastern Kentucky. 16 carries. Okay, you know, average day. Not bad. 202 yards on okay. 16 carries. With two <laughs> there <touchdowns>. it is. <laughs> Great game for the Colonels running back, McCleskey Jr. Uh, really nice game for him. Uh, a lot of running backs had big games this week, actually, so uh, hard to pick out. you have one more game ball to give away? Yeah, because sticking with the running back position, you kind of alluded to it earlier, and it's hard to not to mention him when you're talking about the game that they played. But DeWanya Tucker, 26 carries, 263 <laughs> yards, two touchdowns, 10.1 yards a carry. Like, again, the Terrell, Texas native is phenomenal. And, and he's elusive. He's elusive. He's explosive. We saw this last year, and we're seeing it this year. It's, you know, it's consistent. It's, you know, uh, tremendous to watch. He's going to be playing on Sunday next year. He's that yeah. good, in my opinion. So, shout out to him and shout out to that Panthers program. Because as we talked about off air, uh, you brought up a good point about them now putting themselves firmly in the race for the Celebration Bowl. They've gotten one big win over the SWAC West. They've got another one coming up this week. We'll talk about that later on the podcast. Again, folks, this is the SCS Opening Drive Podcast Week 6 Preview here presented by Football Game Plan and the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Let's get into our top 25s, Emery. Let's get into the voting. Obviously, the stats poll, the FCS stats poll, will be coming out as we're recording this in about two and a half hours, give or take. We're here early in the morning. We do not sleep sleep in like other podcasts. Uh, but we have our top 25s. We have our voting lists out here and ready to go. So let's go through them. I'll start with my top 10. Let's do five. Let's do five so that oh, we get okay, each well, other like breaks in. in. Okay, all right. We'll go, we'll go top five then. Um, North Coast State, JMU, no change in the top two. I've got Weber now up to number three, just ahead of South Dakota State. And my number five team right now is Montana State. I still have, because only because I had them a little bit, I want to see what they do. I want to see Montana get one more win. One more. But Montana State for now is at number five. But it's, it's, for me, the rankings from about four to seven, four to eight, are very, very close. All right, let me, uh, just looking at your top five, let's tally up the losses. North Dakota State has how many? Zero. James Madison. That would be zero. <laughs> James Madison has... Has one, but... Okay. South Dakota State. Oh, come on. I'm just saying. I'm trying to do the math here. South Dakota State. South Dakota State, fine, has one. Weber. Weber at the moment. Two. Two. Montana State. But look at the losses for Weber. Look at the Weaver, look at the Weaver loss. Who's the Weaver losses to? San Diego State and Nevada. Whatever. Montana State has what? They have one, right? Yeah, fine. Okay. So my correct top top five is So you're just gonna reward undefeated teams even though they haven't you know, even if they haven't played anybody? North Dakota State. Okay. James Madison, so we agree with the top two unchanged. Villanova. Number three, stop hating on Villanova. Four, <laughs> South Dakota State. Five, Weber. Oh, so you, we oh, you have we, a two-loss team in the top five. Yeah, because oh, no. of, of what you they, – they played San Diego State tough, and they played Nevada tough. So I agree with you there. Like I said, my, my four through seven or eight is really, really tight. So my, my, let's go through six through ten. Mm-hmm. I got Montana at number six. 
The Grizzlies have really impressed me over the last couple weeks. I think they're back. Villanova at seven. Again, those two, I flip-flop back and forth. Uh, Towson at number eight. Kennesaw, I dropped down at nine. They got a win, but they played Reinhardt. Still a top 10, 10 team for me, but I don't see them. You know, you shouldn't be rewarded Their for that kind of schedule is, is, is... It's a little bit of a joke. It's, it's, it's a little bit of a joke. highly questionable. Um, and then I have Nichols still at number 10. I think Nichols is the under-the-radar team. No one's really talking about them, but they actually play defense in the Southland, which is usually helpful. So I've got them still at number 10. I don't have too much disagreement with your, with your 6 through 10. Uh, my 6th team is Montana State. Okay. 7th is Montana. 8th, I'm surprised you didn't have them in your top 10. Youngstown State, mm-hmm. Furman at number nine, and Kennesaw. For the reasons you mentioned, I dropped them down number ten. I just can't the Ryan Hart win. I just can't bump yeah. them up. You like, know? I still think they're a good football team. Yeah. I think they're still get at least one win in the playoffs, if not two. But who are you playing? Like right. I, I want to see and, them against the. Big and I South get least. you can only play who's out there on the schedule, but I mean you also make the they're schedule. Also, well, they're also a new team too, because you figure these schedules are made five or six exactly. years in advance. Five, right. This is when they were a new program and they made these schedules. So obviously, you know, maybe not next year, but in a couple years down the road, you'll start. to They see didn't them. expect to be a national power. No, this not this quickly. <laughs> so we'll <laughs> see what happens there. Uh, my next five down, I've got North Carolina A and T at eleven. A nice, a really nice win this week, actually, on national television. Central Arkansas at 12. They had a bye week, but I think the Purple Bears are right there. You mean at 13. I've got Northern Iowa at 14 and Delaware at 15. Although Delaware moved up with the loss, they almost knocked off Pitt They should have beaten week. Pitt. They should have beaten Pittsburgh this week. But, again, Delaware, I want to see them now get into the CAA schedule. Then I'll start moving them higher up the rankings. Yeah, I didn't push Delaware up because of that loss because I still remember what it looked like the previous week when they got blasted by North Dakota State. Yeah. So I'm not going to give them. They played their hearts out against Pitt. They should have won that game. Credit for them for doing that. 11 through 15 for me, Illinois State, Towson, UC Davis, Central Arkansas, Southeastern Louisiana. Southeastern Louisiana, they, they're, I'm, I'm getting to them because they've been much, much better than I think people thought. My 16 uh, through 20, I got Simo in there at 16 still. I think, they've, um, I think they've had a couple of rough games, but I think they're still a good power. UC Davis is at 17 for me. I dropped them down last week mm-hmm. after their loss. I didn't, have, I didn't have them even in my top 15 last week. So be, be thankful you're still in the top 25 for me. Eastern Washington at 18, cautiously optimistic cautiously but as you said as we've seen now as the schedule develops they maybe might not be as good as we thought i've got youngstown at 19 and then illinois state at number 20 why do i have youngstown at 19 yes please explain their wins are against howard duquesne and robert morris fair enough the win against Sanford is more impressive now. That week one win, obviously that was before or when Oladokun took over halfway through that game. He's now injured, so they're going back and forth with the quarterback position there. But their next couple games are Northern Iowa away That's huge. and South Dakota State. So we'll learn a lot about the Penguins. Prove to me at Youngstown that you are worthy of this ranking. And if you do well in these games, I may not drop you. Like That's the thing. If you put up a good fight against these two teams... All right, fair enough. You're up there with the powers of B. But right now, I've got them at 19. Fair enough. 16 through 20 for me, A&T, Northern Iowa, Stony Brook, Delaware, and Dartmouth. Okay. I'm I'm moving Stony Brook, you know, slowly up my rankings. I'm still a little cautious on them. My 21 through 25, I got Jacksonville State still ranked at 21. Impressive. Somehow. Uh, Dartmouth at 22, Southeastern Louisiana 23. Furman at 24, and Wofford is now back into the top 25 at number 25. Two things. Why Wofford, number one? 
And why is Furman so low in your rankings? Furman, again, it's it's make the same case for Furman that you made for Weber State. I mean, like here's the thing with the Paladins. Again, three and two, their losses are close, uh, close losses. losses to Georgia State, but we know Virginia Tech's not what they used to be. Bruh, that's they, still Virginia Tech. They barely knocked off East Tennessee State, seventeen ten this past week. But they also barely lost to Virginia Tech. I don't care what we saw Duke do to that Virginia Tech Hokie. <laughs> that was that was right. rough. But that's still Virginia Tech. That's still eighty five scholarships. I, that's still I know. Bud Foster. I know. I know. I, who's been there since day one? Furman has Stanford this week. You win this ball game, you move up. But here's the thing: they also crushed Charleston Southern, and Charleston Southern's a pretty weak team. You know, I mean, the, and if you don't beat a team like Charleston Southern by forty points, then you're doing it wrong. So that's what I've got in mind in my last five. My last five: Sam Houston State, Sanford. Yale, and you're ready for these two? Mm-hmm. Tennessee Tech at 24. They have been very under the radar. I, I want to reward teams. I usually save 24 and 25 for teams that are doing well yeah. and reward them for spots, especially if they've been consistent. So Tennessee Tech has been quietly consistent each and every week. Yeah. And 25, America's favorite football team, Houston Baptist. <laughs> Houston Baptist, Houston getting Baptist. some love. Getting some, they'll at least have some points. They in will the score thing. points, man. They have proven to <laughs> score points. Well, I'll, I'll give you my next five too. You were talking about teams that are moving up and down. I got Stony Brook at twenty six. Okay. Again, close loss to a pretty eh team this year, um, in this past week. So I, I got Stony at twenty six. Eastern Kentucky. I still like what they do on offense and defense. I got them at twenty seven. Elon twenty eight. Albany. At 29, I like what the Great Danes are doing. I still have Citadel at number 30. They do have that win over a top five conference in the FBS over Georgia Tech. Granted, Georgia Tech's now lost two in a row, so we'll see how that weight carries. But other teams I'm watching, I'm watching Princeton still. Tennessee Tech and Houston Baptist are on my watch list for me. I want to see a little bit more from them. Um, at Austin P. Why not Austin P? They're playing some good ball. They just haven't gotten all the results over time. I, listen, I completely get you at Austin Peay. I was tempted to put them in there. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, it's hard to put a team in over Houston Baptist. Yeah. And, you know. And, what and they, Tennessee Tech. And Tennessee Tech. Who's, who's been more surprising out of those two? That Tech. You think it's Tech? Well, you know, that's a great question because both have been, I mean, we talked about this off air. Houston Baptist goes from being laughing stock to <laughs> offensive juggernaut in an off season. Yeah, exactly. Tennessee Tech, they were legit. They would have the first pick in the draft. That's how bad they were last year, yeah. right? And this year, they look very good on both sides of the ball. Very impressive so far for Tennessee. So both teams, it's hard for me to split. But yeah. I would probably lean a little bit more to Houston Baptist because of the longevity, right. how bad they've been since they started football to, to where they are now. Yeah, They should be 5-0. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, I will say what it is with Tennessee Tech, and I can understand why people maybe aren't high on them yet. They have a nice win over Stanford when, when kind of a shootout. But two of their other three wins are against teams that are still winless. True. Granted, one of those is a Missouri Valley team in Western Illinois. So that probably says something. But they have SEMO this week. That's a big test. So they've got that game. Then they have a rivalry game with UT Martin. And then they have Austin P. So we'll see where Tennessee Tech is in a couple of weeks. But And they have a bye week in there as, as well. So we'll see where they are in a couple of weeks. But we'll have to get into that. Speaking of winless teams, we mentioned that off the top of the show. 17 winless teams still left in the FCS. At some point, show me something. You know, show me some life. So we're going to go through these teams. 
who has the, you know, we, we got, I got the list in front of me here. I'll just list them off quickly. And then we'll say, all right, which team is the most surprising that they're still winless? Which team shouldn't be winless at this point? And then maybe who will finally get their win this week to get off the mat? So the teams that are still winless. You got two from the Big South, Charleston Southern and Presbyterian. URI from the CAA, still without a win. That's a little bit surprising. Morgan State from the MEAC. Missouri State and Western Illinois from the Missouri Valley. Bryant and LIU out of the NEC. Eastern Illinois. Bucknell, Lafayette, and Colgate still winless in the Patriot League. Valparaiso winless, winless in the Pioneer. Northwestern State, Mississippi Valley State, Texas Southern, and Grambling going off the list. Which of these teams is the most... It's like... Do you think they've been... The team that's been wronged. They've been playing well in games. They just haven't gotten the breaks and they haven't won a game. Is there any team there that's... Rhode Island with how they've lost these... You saw how they lost last week to Stony Brook. You know, uh, quarterback fields run, uh, what, 50-something yards, 55 yards for the game winner. That was crazy. So that was crazy. But Colgate has been truly surprising to me that they're winless. Uh, Remember we talked about it on every podcast in our season previews, <laughs> yeah. how Colgate's schedule is like, man, Colgate is is a key game on everybody's schedule this upcoming season uh, in, in different leagues. Yeah. And they are winless. Their offense has looked non-existent, uh, which has put their defense in a severe disadvantage. And they are 0-5. Who's Going back coming? from being one of the best teams defensively in history that we've seen, to, to now 0-5. They have been so surprising that they're 0-5. And, and that them and Rhode Island, with how Rhode Island has lost these games this year, they yeah. could easily be 3-1. and one. So yeah. those are my two surprises, I, major I, surprises. I think my, my most surprising one is Valparaiso. Now, really? Well, have you seen who they lost to? They're 0-4, but they've lost to Eastern Kentucky. Okay, fine. Something Connecticut State. Okay, fine. They've lost back to game, back to back games to Truman State and Charleston College. Yikes! Thirty-eight-seven to Truman State, and they lost nineteen thirteen to Charleston College. Now, now, where is Charleston? Where did they play those games? Both of those games in Valpo at Valpo. Uh, Charleston was at home at Valpo. Truman State was away. They played away at Truman State and lost thirty-eight-seven. Like mean, that's just like that's just embarrassing. I'm sorry, Valpo. They scored forty but. points all season. <laughs> it's so. It's really. I think my most surprising team, though, that they're still without a win based on how they've played is Lafayette. I like what I've seen from their quarterback play. Again, uh, when you have a true freshman in there, you don't know what you're going to get in right. terms of your quarterback play. But I've actually been very impressed with Keegan Shoemaker. I think I like what he brings to the table. He's mobile, he's got good size, he can get a good view over the offensive line. Lafayette's done everything right except win a game. Like, that's, that's the biggest one for me is how, I don't know how they are winless uh, so far. But obviously, you know, you got two Missouri Valley teams and a CAA team still without a win. That, <laughs> no, that's, right. that's probably the most surprising of the bunch. No SoCon teams. The SoCon, again, as is much as people want to talk about the SoCon, they are quietly one of the more well balanced conferences. Very well balanced. Very well balanced in FCS right now. Who, all right, so let, let's go. We've got all these winless teams. Are there any teams that you think are going to get off the mat and actually finally get this first win this week? Because some of them have to at this point. I mean, you, you almost have to. <laughs> you have to. You know, what's interesting is when you look at uh, Rhode Island, because they've played so many closed games, they have another one 
they have a good one this week, a good opportunity against Brown in the Governor's Cup. Yes. So I think Rhode Island uh, would be my choice. Although to- Brown has looked okay. They looked okay in their first couple games. Brown got blasted last they week. They got crushed by Harvard. Har- <laughs> Harvard Harvard might be one of those, the dark horse team in the Ivy League this year. Obviously, everyone, Everyone's talking about Dartmouth, Princeton, maybe you know Yale and Penn. Right. Harvard is right there again this year with a Springfield College alum as the head coach, just saying. I mean, Cornell <laughs> looks impressive too. So Cornell, look, Cornell looks decent. Cornell looks decent. I, I, I think if you're going to look for somebody to get their first win, I think it might be Bryant this week. They got Merrimack. Who's you know still it's an independent choice. making their transition in? Merrimack's looked okay, but they're not playing a full FCS schedule. They're make, they're making the transition, unlike LIU, who's just jumped right into it, uh, and they've they've kind of been exposed a little bit, especially on defense. Offensively, I think LIU is going to be is going to be fine next year, but on in terms of defense, they have to get up to speed a little bit. Um, I think Colgate probably gets off the mat this week, though. They got Lehigh coming in net, uh, this week at home, and. Um, that's really about it, unfortunately. I think uh, Western Illinois, like, uh, hopefully you've got a win before I go out there in a couple of weeks. That's all I'm saying. Like, I, I wanted to see you guys do well. Obviously, they've lost a lot uh, after last year. Actually, there will be at least one less winless team because Western Illinois plays Missouri State this week. Both Somebody, winless. something got to And there's no more ties in college football. So something, <laughs> it's, it's a tie. Right. <laughs> tie called because of darkness. All right, <laughs> let's get into our week six preview now on the podcast. And we'll go through my telling trap, unsung, and best games of the week. I've got three telling games uh, that I'm keeping an eye on, one of which we're going to talk about later, so I won't mention it. But Furman against Samford. Obviously now Oladokun will see if he's on the shelf long term or not. If he is, Samford might take a step back. Although, again, as we said, without the guy that they benched week one, throwing three touchdowns in the second half and overtime with Welsh, they don't win that ball game. So maybe Sanford's fine. But again, this is a good test for Sanford. See how good they actually are. And Furman, you win this ball game, you shoot up the charts a little bit more in terms of the top 25. My other one is Prairie View at Southern. And we mentioned this one with Prairie View. They had the nice win over Grambling this week. They put themselves, they're 2-1 right now in the SWAC already. They've had three conference games, but they're in a great position now in the SWAC West. You knock off Southern. You've beaten the two teams that legitimately can beat you on the field in the SWAC West, and you've gotten them both under your belt. Now you just don't have to screw up the rest of the way. That's the biggest thing. So that's a huge game for Prairie View. Yeah, that's a huge game for Prairie View. I I think your uh, choice of um, the first matchup you mentioned, what what was that again? Furman-Sanford. Furman, because you look at the defense of Furman. Yes. Against this high-powered offense of Sanford, that's going to be the matchup to watch. I got two trap games this week coming up, and one in the uh, Big Sky, one in the CAA. My one in the, in the Big Sky, Weber at Idaho. Idaho's got their nice little dome out there that they get to play in, but they've quietly put up some okay games this season. They've had a couple decent results. Weber, again, they're in the top five. We really haven't seen them against a quality opponent yet. So in a way, this is a telling game for them. I want to see what Weber can do in terms of putting teams away. This is their first conference game of the year at 2-2. Two and two. I want to see them get a nice win here. I think they can you know, verify their top five ranking. My other one, Villanova at William & Mary. Why is this a trap game? Because next week, they travel to Harrisonburg to face JMU. If you're Villanova, you cannot sleep on the Tribe and the go-go offense which is available on footballgameplan.com but this is i think that's going to be a really entertaining ball game 
it's interesting you put Idaho State, Weber State in the trap game situ- situation. How do we? Idaho. Idaho, I'm sorry. Um, we've seen Idaho pull off an upset, a big one, you know, so. But that doesn't matter to teams like Jacksonville State. That's all I'm saying. So Fair enough. But it, this is, like you said, if Idaho gets this win, they get to 3-3. Three and three. They've got Portland State and Idaho State next before they really get a couple of rough games in a row, Cal Poly and Montana. Quietly, I'm worried about Weber State offense. That See, that's my question. They can run the ball, but I'm worried about their offense. We like they're right. Well, here's the thing: they're 111th in passing yards, 95th in rushing, and 94th in points per game. There you go. But Weber, obviously, their their defense is the story. They're only allowing 16.5. My unsung games this week: I've got a couple of them. Um, Central Connecticut State against Secret Heart. Both teams are three and one this year. Sacred Heart has got some really good speed at the wide receiver position that Central Connecticut State will have to stop. Central Arkansas at Nichols this week. That's a game that's going to go way under the radar, but that's going to be a really interesting ball game uh, for two teams that are really not getting too much attention. Tennessee Tech against SEMO. Obviously, let's see what Tech can do. And then I'd be remiss without mentioning the military classic of the South, VMI at Citadel, which now is a huge game in the SOCON right. with VMI, who, you know, they've fallen off a, a little bit the last couple weeks, taking on a Citadel team that. Yeah, you know, okay, you beat Georgia Tech and you you know but you had trouble with Samford. So which one is it? Especially with a high powered passing attack from VMI. That's gonna be an interesting ball game. It's gonna be a good ball game and I, I agree with you there. Uh it's a shame that VMI has lost those last two matchups, you know. Yeah. They were on a roll. And yeah. it, but defensively you gotta make some stops. Yep, they lost to Robert Morris and Wofford. So obviously Wofford Wofford's defense is pretty good. Yeah, but they still put up 36 points on Wofford's defense. So, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's always been the question with VMI is can they play defense themselves? And when you're allowing 51 to Wofford, it's not not great. Let's get into the best game of the week, though, and that is the FCS Stats Game of the Week. North Dakota State at Illinois State. Now, obviously, oh, great, we got to talk about the Bison again, but now they're on the road. And Illinois State has some legitimate pro prospects. they got some Senior Bowl watch list candidates on their roster, especially on the offensive side of the ball, who should be who should we watch in this ball game? Emery, do you think for Illinois State if they're going to pull off this upset? The running back Robinson, James Robinson, that's the biggest guy to watch. You know, if he if he goes off, that means Illinois State is controlling the clock and they win the game. So if Robinson has a big day, there you go. The biggest question now this this is going to be the, really the first legitimate defense they've played in FCS. They lost to Northern Illinois in their first week. Uh, 24-10, but they played Moorhead State, Eastern Illinois, and Northern Arizona. So not exactly defensive powerhouses. This is going to be their first legitimate defense that they've played, um, especially in conference. But defensively themselves, they've looked pretty good. They're only allowing allowing 300 yards, 305 total yards per game. That's 17th in the in the FCS. So I think that's going to be the interesting thing to watch for Illinois State is their defense trying to slow down North Dakota State and they're just battering ram of an offense which doesn't matter who gets the ball they're still going to score. Shout out to Moorhead State. <laughs> Shout out to Moorhead. Out there in Moorhead, Kentucky doing work. <laughs> Let's get into some of the other games we're watching in week six. Tennessee State at Jacksonville State. Again, the Jekyll and Hyde team of 2019 certainly appears to be the Gamecocks of Jacksonville State. Tennessee State, eh, you really think there's going to be an upset in this ball game? You know, Tennessee State and Jacksonville State are the same team quietly. They can't handle expectations. When you expect yeah. them to be great, they they fall off. When you expect them to 
fall off, they turn in a great performance. This is, I think, a must-win game for both teams. Well, Tennessee State, it certainly is. They're running four, so if they're going to make any run for the postseason, they have to get a long winning streak started now. Uh, but certainly for Jacksonville State at this point, it'll be interesting to see how many people drop them from the rankings completely after that last loss this past week to Austin P. Um, and they have Eastern Illinois next week, so they could win the next couple in a row. Um, Gardner-Webb taking on Western Carolina. So many Bulldogs. Way too many Bulldogs in this ballgame, but how do we see this game going? Another team that's dealing with injuries is Western Carolina. You know, their quarterback, Tyree Adams, hasn't been out there. Uh, he's a tremendous player. Obviously, he's a difference maker. And to me, they have to find ways to, to be successful. They lost in a, a blowout last week to Chattanooga. Yep. It just it looks different this year without Adams. And, you know, yep. he's one of my favorite players to watch. So this is a big game for Western Carolina. And the only win this year is against North Greenville, and they only won by three points, 20-17. to 17. So Shout out to North Greenville. Huge, huge win for Western Carolina. Maris taking on San Diego. The Pioneer League is up for grabs this season. San Diego may not be the only big dog in this fight in terms of their automatic bid, and really, realistically, their only bid. Drake is uh, 1-0 in conference, but Davidson's off to a good start. Dayton's off to a good start. You can't sleep on Marist. We saw that last year. They're 1-1 one one in conference play, 1-3 overall. What do we think from this game? San Diego, they're 1-2. They haven't really shown much defensively. There you go. That that's. It's been weird to see San Diego not at the top of this list because we're talking about the Davidson Wildcats. We're talking about Marist. We're talking about Dayton and, and how they're playing. So. Yep. I think this is a game where San Diego has to come out and reestablish themselves as a premier team in the Pioneer. This is a must-win game for the Toreros. Let's move now into the OVC. Eastern Illinois, they're looking for their first win of the season. They take on Murray State, who, again, they were kind of a surprise team last year. They're 2-3. and three. They're 0-1 in conference play to start this season. Haven't played poorly. They're good at home. They're 2-0 and at home, 0-3 on the road. They're back home in this one. Eastern Illinois, I'm a little surprised by that they're still 0-5. I'm, I'm a little surprised that they're winless at this point with the coaching change that I thought that was going to make some good strides. Yeah, I'm surprised as well. And here, I, it's funny, we haven't talked too much about Murray State this year, but rightfully so, their defense hasn't been good at all. No. Um, they have to get better defensively if they want to make a move up these, these rankings. Normally, they're very opportunistic defensively, they haven't been able to turn the ball over. They haven't been able to get stops in the running game. Pass defense is, is highly questionable, and their offense is just ineffective. So this is a big game for them. They have to find ways to stabilize their their, their program. Let's move on to another interesting matchup. Um, Bryant taking on Merrimack. Merrimack, again, still technically an independent for the next year or so. Uh, they're 2-3 and three so far, but both of those wins coming against uh, Virginia Lynchburg and Mayville State. They've had a couple close losses, though, in the FCS. Only lost to Central Connecticut State by three, Lehigh by seven. Bryant, though, still looking for their first win. This is a good opportunity for them to get it. Yeah, big opportunity for them. And uh, another statement win for Merrimack, if they can get the job done. Yeah. You know, because they they quietly, when you look at them along the offensive line, they are built like an NEC team already. So this game may be closer than what people think. I'm, I'm surprised Merrimack's having – I'm not totally surprised that they're having a little bit of growing pains, but it's a li- they're actually doing a little better than LIU at this point, which Quietly. is a little bit surprising for me. Um, an interesting game in the Northeast again. URI taking on Brown, a rivalry game in the middle of the season. Two teams, though, that have struggled. Brown, though, they have a win at least to start off the year. Um, 
but URI, this is a must-win game to get anything going. Yeah, they can't allow themselves to lose. The hot seat's heating up. Like no, I wouldn't say the hot seat. It's just that they've been losing these games weird ways, man. And <laughs> it's just, I mean, you don't expect to give up a quarterback draw for like 55 yards of a touchdown <laughs> in that situation. You don't expect that to happen. Um, you know, so Rhode Island, I think, is in a situation where he's got to understand who they are. They still have a lot of games left in conference to play, and it, it starts this week for them to try to get off the schneid. Interesting game in the MEAC next. North Carolina A&T, the perennial favorite in the MEAC conference, taking on a team that you could easily call a fly-in-the-ointment team, Norfolk State, who's only 1-4, but they put a big scare into Florida A&M last week, and they almost knocked off Old Dominion in week one from the FBS. This is not a team that A&T can take lightly. Absolutely not, and we've seen the MEAC be crazy each and every year. Norfolk State, again, there's no moral victories, but they have to find ways to finish games. Yep. Like you said, they had the Old Dominion game one. They had this game against FAMU one. They won those two games. This is a different conversation we're having about Norfolk State. Maybe we're talking about them in contention for the Celebration Bowl, and they still have an out, outside chance because – it's only one game yeah. in the MEAC so far. They can still go on a crazy run. They got the defense to do it. They got the quarterback to do it. Just have to find ways to get it done. And the biggest thing for A&T has been Jermaine Martin. He's been an absolute revelation this Jermaine. season. He's got, they have to figure out a way to slow him down. But this is almost a trap game for A&T because they got Florida A&M on the road next week. So this is, a, this is a game you can't take the focus off for this one. One last game. This is a, one of the other telling games that I had going into this week. A local game for us up here in the Northeast, Monmouth at Wagner. Monmouth, up and down year this so, so far this season. Wagner getting a, a nice win last week, getting their first one. This is really a show-me game for Monmouth, though, if they're going to compete with Kennesaw at the top of the Big South. You talk about statement games. Wagner got their first win last week. No, this is a team that has lost to East Stroudsburg. <laughs> Monmouth is, like you said, they've been playing a bit up and down. Defensively, I think they're not there yet. Offensively, they can run the football. Kenji Bahar is a really good quarterback as well. Ken Wagner, and this is also a big game for recruiting, you know. So, Ken Wagner do what they, they wanted to do in the season, yeah. you know, and get out there and, and stockpile some, some good victories. Cam Gill, the outside linebacker, uh, NFL prospect for Wagner. Kenji Bahar in that passing game and what they can do as those young receivers continue to grow. It's going to be an interesting game right here for both teams. Well, the biggest thing with Wagner is can they move the ball because they haven't been able to do that much. They've got one of the worst rushing offenses in the country going up against one of the better rushing defenses. Monmouth right now is 22 uh, in terms of rushing yards allowed this season. They took they put a good fight up against Montana a couple weeks ago, uh, put up 27 but lost 47-27. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how that game goes going forward. Emery, where will you be this week? we got the last, the first weekend in October coming up. It's already starting to feel like fall a little bit. Of course, it's going to be mid-80s somehow on Wednesday up here, but then it's going to drop back into the 60s again. But fin st finally getting into October, getting into football weather, where are you going to be this weekend? Well, it won't be, cold. It won't be warm where I'll be this weekend. I'll be up in Erie, Pennsylvania ah. uh, for the Slippery Rock Mercyhurst broadcast. I'll be on that ESPN uh, broadcast for that Division II matchup in the PSAC. Getting a great look at the top passer in Division II, Roland Rivers III. That's a great name. Outstanding name. <laughs> and what's even more outstanding, this young man has 25 touchdown passes, zero interceptions. He is the 
best quarterback right now in Division II, 6'3", 230. There are going to be some pro scouts there checking him out because to throw the football like they throw it, they throw it deep downfield to not have an interception, not a turnover at all. This year he's playing great. Mercyhurst is off to a solid start. They lost last week to IUP. That would have been a huge – that would have set up a huge game this week in the um, PSAC West. So still going to be a great game. I'll be on that broadcast, ESPN3, and locally at uh, 22 The Point out there in Pittsburgh, uh, WJAC and Johnstown, Jonestown, I believe that is, uh, the NBC station, and uh, CBS 21, Harrisburg, and also – uh, what's the other one? Fox Sports Ohio. Jeez, you need, how do you remember all that? Because it's the same. It's, it's always the same <laughs> networks. It's always the same, and yet you're still struggling still with it. Still struggling, anyway. folks. That'll do it for our week six preview. Again, if you want to listen back to on any of our other podcasts, you can listen to that on SoundCloud and iTunes. Search football game plan. Subscribe while you're there, so you don't miss any of our college football or pro football content. Go to footballgameplan.com for all of your football knowledge. And don't forget to order the your copy of the GoGo Offense while you are there. And if you are in the New York metropolitan area, you can listen in and watch us, actually. You can actually, uh, well, I wouldn't recommend watching me. But anyway, <laughs> that's fine. We've got the, FC, the uh, college football tailgate show. You've got the NFL All-32 TV show, as well as the NFL All-32 podcast that we have available for you, as well as our best bet segment uh, in terms of any of you going into the sports betting field, trying to make a little money this weekend. Emery, you got anything else you want to plug? Well, make sure you guys follow Craig Haley at Craig Haley and at FCS underscore stats on Twitter. They do a great job over there. Craig is a friend of the show and a good guy overall that does tremendous work for the FCS. And as always, make sure you hit us up on YouTube at youtube.com slash football game plan. iTunes, leave us a five-star rating, SoundCloud, F, uh, FBGP podcast. And just, you know, we got all the TV stuff that we got, Game Plus Network, Wednesday night, football game plan power rankings, Thursday night, NFL All-32, Friday night, yes, our football game plan college football tailgate show, all three shows at 6.30 p.m. Eastern time. And feel free to interact with us on Twitter, of course, at football at football game plan for Emery, at David underscore Hassagan. We don't bite. It's fine. If you want to <laughs> yell and scream at us, fine. But here's the thing. If you do make a stupid point, we will follow up with that and if hey if you want to hear something on our podcast that you don't hear right now let us know we'll do we'll try to fit in as much as we can we're always looking to improve and bring you guys what you want to hear we are doing what we do because you guys listen to us and follow us and give us that support so whatever we you want us to do we will do again folks thanks for listening in enjoy your games good luck to all of your teams out there and we'll see you next week